Hockey is back. The Leafs are back. Uh, we're very excited about that. We're recording just after the Blue versus White game. And we want to be positive, uh, but most importantly, we don't want to draw any grand conclusions from an intra-squad game. But uh, this pod is called Lamenting the Leafs. So in the interest of staying on brand, let's uh, let's start with some mild concern. Nick, Freddie Anderson, uh, you were ready to pack him up and ship him out <laughs> in the summer, pretty much. Uh, and you haven't wavered much on that. Uh, I'm guessing he didn't do anything to change your mind tonight. Uh, I mean, like you said, not going to make any grand conclusions from from a inner squad game after how many months off? Two periods, two periods of an inner squad game. Yeah, um, but I, I didn't think that he was the best goalie on the ice tonight. I thought he he uh, he was swimming around a bit, had trouble handling the puck, looked a lot like the Freddie we saw for most of last year, which. If that turns out to be the case this year, that could be a problem, and uh, I don't think he'll have the net for that long. But again, inner squad scrimmage, not going to get too concerned about it just yet. Yeah, he didn't look steady in the net whatsoever at any point in the game. I didn't like. I didn't see even kind of just shots that he was fielding didn't seem to be kind of squared up to it, or didn't seem to handle the puck well at all when it came to him. Like you said, even with Dell on the ice, um, there wasn't a point in the game where he looked like the best goalie. Yeah, I was going to say he certainly wasn't the the best. I, I think he was pretty firmly three of three for me. Um, I mean, then Dell gave up a couple there at the end, but everyone pretty much quit playing at that point. Muzzin borrowed some moves from his old <laughs> partner in L.A. There, the old Doughty quit on the play uh, on the what was it the Marner to Matthews yeah, goal he, and he just yeah. kind of took a swat and <laughs> yeah. that was uh, yeah, that yeah, was he, like he, that was like a uh, that was like a, a bear swatting at a fucking fly that's buzzing around his head yeah it wasn't good <laughs> yeah I, I've seen guys try a hell of a lot harder than that at um, beer league on Monday nights <laughs> Um, but to, to your point about Freddie being like maybe the third best goalie on the night, where would you rank Muzzin as far as the best yeah. defenseman on the night, right? So like, let's not uh, let's not get yeah. too worked up about it. But but it was a concern it, it, going it, in, right? Like it wasn't. This is yeah, we're not drawing this. We're not drawing this conclusion from one night. This is a layover from last year, and it just it didn't do anything to 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 kind of like ease the the concern. It didn't do anything to lengthen the the leash that he'll be no. entering the season with, put it that way. Yeah. Well, exactly. And that's what my next question was going to be because that is the larger question is, you know, this isn't what's going to determine, you know, Freddie's future here. How long is the leash ultimately because I still feel like, you know, it really doesn't matter until he can show it in the playoffs, yeah. but Nick, I, I feel like you might have a hot take on this. Well, I don't think that the leash would have been long for Anderson entering this season if it were a normal year, an 82-game schedule. So I, I really don't think that he's got much room for error in what's going to be like a, a sprint of a season. 56 games, you don't have time to to tinker or wait for, for Anderson to find his game. Uh, if he doesn't have it early on, you've got to see if Campbell has his game going. And if he doesn't, then you're really in trouble and the season's probably gotten away from you at that point. So it's going to be imperative for Anderson to to play a lot more like the Freddie of prior to last season. Because I would argue that aside from maybe secondary scoring, I think that Anderson and the obviously the lack of anything from the backup goaltending position were the biggest problems for the Leafs last year. 
and the reason that they ended up having to play against Columbus in that play-in round. Yeah, you can't wait. You can't wait for him to have a bad month and then get it get it back on the rails because a bad month in the season is like two months in a normal season. We there's no there's no time for October Freddy to to figure it out and become November Freddy or however. Yeah, and so, no, we so didn't really have defin- that last year either, but in years before. Yeah, so there's a, a definite opportunity there for Campbell if it if it doesn't go Freddie's way early in the season, because like you said, they're not going to be able to wait. And if Campbell does get his chance and plays well, that's who they're going to have to roll with. Yeah. How many good Campbell starts do you need to see before that conversation starts though? Cause if he has, you know, if, if Freddie has a bad game and Jack comes in and, and lets in a one goal on, 29 shots or something you're not going to go to him on the next night like it's not going to be one i'm curious like as to how short that leash is i don't know i think that would have to depend uh, on just how good or bad freddie is early in the season i think if he really really struggles and campbell does get a chance and plays well i think they just keep going to him yeah. uh, i don't think that especially with the one year left on his contract i don't think that they have to worry about you know, protecting his psyche as much. They have their, their main concern has to be winning, winning yeah. this season, and not pr- protecting the feelings of of their goaltender, who more likely than not is gone at the end of this season. But yeah. to that end, you know, um, the point about winning is it's winning in the playoffs, right? And it, with this Canadian division, it feels like the playoffs should be more of a shoe in at least than the last few years. Um, you know, like, I mean, the Leafs have had a pretty easy time getting in, but the competition's even lighter than, you know, the Bruins and, and the and the Lightning right now, right? So, you know, conceivably the Leafs could, you know, get a nice cushion early on and, and wouldn't you then want to let your your starter kind of try to work through the kinks to get, you know, the guy that you feel has the best chance of of delivering it? I, I think a lot of that will also depend on the, the play of the rest of the team. You, you know, like if if the team is piling up the goals and Freddie is playing like shit and giving up four a night, but the team is still winning and they put themselves in that position, I think that there's more room to try and let him work out those kinks. If you still do believe that he is the guy and he just needs to get through whatever it is he has to get through. But if Freddie's playing like shit and the Leafs aren't getting the offensive production for whatever reason, and the losses start to pile up, you you can't let him try to work out the kinks. You, you need to try and find someone else to shut the door, and the next man up for that right now is Jack Campbell. Which that would remind me a lot of the Columbus series, of like Freddie not necessarily playing terrible, but they're not scoring, and then the mistakes become that much more visible and important. Yeah, and I think like as much as a few of those goals and the timing of them in the Columbus series were backbreakers, I still don't even think that that is, would be poor enough play to justify, you know, like yanking the That's, number no. one job from yeah. him. I think it would have to be more egregious th- than that. But th- there was definitely points last season where his play was more egregious than in the Columbus series. It's just like that. 85, 85% of last season. Yeah, he was good for uh, like a month after Keith was hired. And after that, it, it was, it was, it was not good. So uh, one of the other big topics so far from training camp and also from, you know, the, the blue versus white game, wanted to see how Thornton looked out there uh, after getting put up on that top line with, with Matthews and Marner. And then that's been a hot topic. Um, so 
what were your thoughts, I guess, Keith, uh, start off with you on, on what you saw from Thornton tonight and, and generally, you know, what you, what you think of him on that line? I think he's going to get a lot of assists. Um, <laughs> he, didn't look, like, I didn't, he didn't look slow. He didn't look like he was a step behind me. I know like the, the pace might not have been at 100% tonight, but, you know, that's obviously the concern with him is, you know, can he skate with those two? But I think he thinks the game so much he thinks the game at the same level that they do. So even if he doesn't have the foot speed to be there with them, he was already going there anyway. So he's got a head start. Like he's, he's going to be fine. I, I think the biggest question, you know, and specifically tonight, I mean, he made a, a couple very nice plays tonight. Um, especially early on. I think one of their first shifts, like him and Matthews were just playing catch down low and picking pucks off a guy's sticks. It was fun to watch. I, I think obviously the biggest issue with him is, is going to be, how many games he plays and Nick, we were talking about this before and it's, you know, I think it's going to be up to him. Like I can't see him, him just like being okay with being taken out of, out of, out of the lineup to rest or whatever, unless he's looking for it. Like I don't and see especially that, if he's producing. That, like, yeah. It just doesn't seem like the type of guy that's going to volunteer or not voluntarily, but like roll over. If the coach says like, Hey, you're out of the lineup tonight. Like, if he's playing well, it's specifically because you're an old guy. I just don't think he's going to buy into that. But if that was a part of the conversation, maybe he was looking for that in a in a contract. Like, I don't want to play every night. I'm 40-something years old. But it's going to be interesting to see. And, and Keith will get to it in a couple of his media hits that they've already got planned for when he's not in and that Hyman slots back into that spot. Um, but I'm just curious about how much that happens. Yeah, well, a, f- a couple of weeks ago, I put out an article on the Leafs Nation uh, just trying to project some of the uh, offensive production for the the Leafs players in the shortened season. And one of the things I really wrestled with was how many games to slot Thornton in for. And I actually made a note in the article about I wasn't sure if it was fair to even remove any games from his total because I don't think he's a guy that's going to go down willingly, like you said, if the coaching staff or the sports science department thinks that he should have a night off. I I don't think he's going to be a guy that is always amenable to that. So I I don't think he's going to cause a stink about it or anything like that either, but I think he'll be happy to be in the lineup more often than not. So one of the thoughts I had on Thornton was, you know, it's a shortened training camp, no preseason games, obviously, um, you know, maybe maybe he's getting put up there to kind of build a familiarity, even if it's more so for uh, guys that he's going to be, you know, running the power play with, um, you know, because obviously you want to use him as a power play weapon. And, you know, even if you're not planning to roll Thornton out there on on the top line at even strength every night and every shift, um, you know, it's worth it to put him up there for, you know, a week at training camp to, to try to build a little bit of chemistry um, and see if it pays dividends on the power play. But, you know, now it really seems like this is something that they, they want to take into the regular season and uh, and run with. And I'm I'm wondering how much of a run it gets and, and if it really is going to kind of be the default all season long or, or is this just kind of a, an experiment and maybe they're they're back to Hyman on on, you know, Matthew's wing and, and Thornton's running his own line. I, I, I don't know. Well, to your point about wanting to get a look at that and maybe just for the purposes of getting used to play with those guys on the PowerPoint stuff. What is the one of the greatest things about Zach Hyman? is that you absolutely know what you are getting from him every night. Yeah. And in the same vein, you know what you're going to get out of him on one of those top two lines. He's exactly. going to go and do his thing and 
hound pucks and be a, a menace on the forecheck and, and just create havoc in front of the net and open up space for the other skilled players. So you know what he's going to do there. I think it's definitely worth getting a look at Thornton, especially like that That was part of the discussion when he decided to come here too. So it wasn't just something that was yeah. decided in the last, you know, couple of weeks leading up to camp. This was part of the discussion when he, when he decided that he wanted to sign and come play for the Leafs. Uh, I think, you know, probably discussed it with his old buddy, Patty Marlowe a little bit, how, how much fun it could be to play with some of the the exciting young offensive talent that the Leafs have in Matthews and Mariner and and even Nylander if he ended up playing with him at some point. Yeah, and, and I, obviously whatever Keith saw out of that line that he's basically the, you know putting together the the checking line of of uh, Hyman, Kerfoot, and um, and Mikheyev is you know the reason for this this kind of experiment because. You know they weren't together that much last year. Whatever he saw in them, he likes a lot. I think he likes the idea of having that kind of shutdown line. But like, as a coach, what better? Like you said, Nick. Like, what better plan B to have in case things fall apart than knowing that you can just throw Zach Hyman back there and things are good. And and I'm sure you know if 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 the game was a bit too fast for Thornton on the first line and playing against top defensive players and playing against other teams shutdown shutdown lines, knowing that you can throw him back on a third line, you know, against weaker competition where he might just be able to be that much better. But yeah, this was something that he keeps been on record for that they had this conversation with. You know, Thornton was a part of this conversation before he signed that he was going to be playing with Matthews. Yeah, and I just want to say something about the whole speed issue with Thornton. There's something like people have to understand. There are different kinds of speed in hockey. You know, you got your your very obvious foot speed and your straight line speed, or your ability to go quickly east west. There's also processing speed. And Joe That's what Thornton, I'm saying. he thinks the game. Yeah, way. exactly. Yeah. He, he has never relied on raw speed, foot speed. It's always been about how fast he thinks the game and sees things developing before they happen. And I think that's why he is has the potential to be a really good fit with the, with Matthews and Mariner on that top line, just because they all. There's something to be said for that that other level of hockey brain, you just see guys, there's certain guys that make plays that you're not even going to see other guys recognize being available. You know what I mean? And I think well, how many times, gonna... how many times did you see Matthews and Marner or Matthews and Nylander running around the offensive zone with the puck, you know, in an offensive situation and them not even looking at Hyman. Yeah. That, uh, that line with those three guys, Thornton, Matthews, Mariner, um, just so much hockey sense, like you said, and the reach as well on, on two of them and all three of them are really good at just turning pucks over. So I, I think that, you know, that's going to be a line with a lot of takeaways, uh, through the course of the year for however long they're together. Um, wanted to talk a little bit more about the blue and uh, blue versus white game before we move on. Uh, who else looked good? Um, I wanted to chime in. Uh, William Nylander looked <laughs> incredible and also really, really had a great hockey game. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you go ahead, Keith. That, but that, that uh, one time. I was say that's, we're, we're starting to see we're starting to see like full grown man William Nylander. Like he's not I think a little more boy than anymore. anyone else on the roster. If if he's able to take that step in, okay, I, I, we're going to get some people yelling at me on Twitter and stuff. I just want you to know that I 
anyone that hasn't followed me for the last little while or ever listened to our show, I'm one of the biggest William Nylander fans you're going to find out there. I have his jersey here beside me in the house. Even the biggest supporters of William Nylander have to recognize that there are times with him that it isn't always there. Or you see him peel away on a forecheck or something, a time you just wish that he would attack even with his stick. Sometimes it just... He, he's not the one with the highest motor on the team at all times. And I think that more than anyone else on the team, if he could find that level of consistency where he is bringing it like that every night, where, where he did most nights last season, mind you, if you get that William Nylander every night, oh boy, look out. Yeah, and that's the thing with, with, with kind of the, the divisive like Nylander factions online is that you either have to think that he's a dog shit player or like better than that. He's perfect in every better, sense. Exactly. And, and it's not like that. Like, yeah, he does dog it sometimes on back checks and he does peel off, but he doesn't do that every time. And that doesn't negate the 10 other times that he does come back and make good plays. It, it's never been that. Yeah. It's, it's just that. Yeah. And, and I don't, it's and never it's been not, that black and white. It's but also there, not there unique are times to him. that he leaves you wanting more, but most and of the it's time it's not he, unique to him on this team though. There's a few no, absolutely. Like absolutely yeah. not. He's just been the scapegoat for it. it more totally so than has. anybody else. But you know, he seems like a guy that, and even Babcock alluded to that a lot about him is like, Willie wants to be the best. Willie wants to be good. So, I mean, you can only hear that so many times and before it starts to weigh on you. And yeah. maybe he plays with a bit more of an edge or a bit more possessed this year. Yeah. And I don't need to see him throwing his weight around or anything like that. I just, it's never going to happen. Just no. be engaged, you know, get pissed off. If you've got to hack someone across the shins, do it. Like, I don't care. Just be in the game. And I, I actually do expect to, to see more of that from the team as a whole, maybe not particularly Nylander or whatever. I just, I think that there's going to be a little bit of a different attitude to this team this year. And I think it's started with Keefe in, in camp. Yeah. I, I thought Nylander was really strong. Looked like mid season form, like making like really nice little touch plays and uh, just so sharp. He's so, uh, so smart and, play such a strong possession game and uh, just thought that he looked really good. Uh, who else stood out? Uh, Keith, Keith, what were your thoughts? Yeah, not not that uh, he necessarily looked great all game because I, I, I think, again, he fell into that kind of veteran boat of maybe not giving 100% the entire time. But there was flashes of Simmons that I, I really liked, especially on the power play, um, the net front. Uh, he was just parked there. And, I mean, he's made a career out of doing that. So if he can find, you know, what he had in, in Philly, um, I know it's, he's not going to necessarily score a 30-goal clip like he did there. But, um, you know, if, if he can, you know, have guys that th- their attention starts to get drawn away from him a bit because of just the firepower on the ice – um, and they can kind of forget about him backdoor. Um, and then on the flip side, if he's causing a ha- havoc of, you know, in front of the net, they've had net front presence with JVR and, and Hyman to an extent, but it's different. It's a lot more physical with Simmons. Um, I think he's going to battle a lot more for space um, and just make it harder on defensemen down low. But um, even within the, you know, five on five, there was a few, like I said earlier, like big body moments with him, like, just using his body, boxing guys out um, down low. I think he's a guy that can set up and and, and really kind of drive that fourth line a bit um, just to kind of wear down other teams, just keep the puck in their end and, you know, cycle it around and, and come up for a shot. But um, kind of to what you said earlier, Nick, about 
the team as a whole needing to be a bit nastier and kind of started with, you know, Keese had some comments about, and even Dubas had comments about being played harder to get. I think um, guys like Simmons are going to rub off on Nylander and I, I think they're going to hold him accountable a bit more too. But um, yeah, he, he was a guy that, that stood out for, in flashes uh, throughout the game. Yeah, no, I, I liked Simmons too. Uh, I, I thought seeing him at net front kind of it eased my concerns a little bit about moving Nylander off of that spot from last year where he was so successful. Uh, never, or uh, not to mention the fact that Nylander would absolutely hammered one home from the, the top of the dot on a power play. So yeah. it, it looks like yeah. he, he could be productive in uh, multiple spots on the power play. But yeah, Stamkos esque. Yeah. Now, I like Simmons tonight too. I, and I think, like you said, it, it, he's uh, he's got a presence that I think that in itself is important to this team and what it does for, for the, the energy around the team and the, the culture of the, the locker room. Um, one of the other players I really like tonight, this will be no surprise to anyone, uh, president of the Nick Robertson fan club here. I, I don't know how long they're going to be able to keep this kid out of the lineup. He's just, he's got the ability to be an X factor. That shot is just ridiculous. There's no other way to put it. Yeah. There's not too many guys in the NHL that shoot the puck the, the way that this kid can at five foot nine and 165 pounds. It's actually kind of ridiculous. And that alone for me would be enough to have him in a fourth line role and to be able to throw him out on the power play or something like that. But I think there's more to his game. He's tenacious on the forecheck. I thought he actually made a couple of nice plays in transition tonight on the breakout and finding teammates and I think he's also going to be better served playing perhaps higher in the lineup with players that can find him. When One of the things that he's so good at that made him so deadly is his ability to find those soft spots in defensive coverages at the right time. And I thought there was a couple of times, even early in the, the game tonight, where he was finding those spots and you know ready to unleash a shot and... Adam Brooks or Joey Anderson weren't quite able to, yeah, to, to find him, him or <laughs> looked him off or what have you. And I just think that's that's a weapon that you want to have in your lineup regardless. And I, I, I don't think that he's a liability otherwise. I mean, no more than any other 19 or 20-year-old rookie forward. I think that the, the benefits of having him in the lineup would definitely outweigh whatever negatives might come along. Um, I... I I don't know how long Jimmy VC is going to be on that second line with Tavares and Nylander, put it that way. He's only a detriment if you lose points for how you look while you skate. <laughs> oh, man, it's not. He's not pretty. So the, the probably the, the biggest concern with Robertson is the skating. But I still – it might not be, like, aesthetically pleasing, but I still find that he does get around the rink fairly yeah. well. He's just hunched over, man. He's like, he's like a little heat-seeking missile. <laughs> he just yeah, he's he's like leading with his head, just like skating. Uh, it's 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 ugly. Yeah, he's but. he's so far over his like center, like it's, it seems. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I'm more focused on the way he looks when he scores goals. You see that cold-blooded, no celebration. He was pissed off that he it took him that long to score <laughs> in the scrimmage tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a garbage time goal, and he was just 
pissed that it didn't mean anything or something. (laughs) Uh, Another one of the uh, big storylines from the first week of camp, uh, or the only week of camp, I guess, (laughs) what was a week and a half, I guess, Uh, Matthews being put on the penalty kill, um, which is kind of a big deal, but, you know, I I, I love it. It's a great move. I think that... um, I mean, you want to get your top guys out there as much as possible, right? And you want to have them as engaged in the game as they can be. You don't want a guy sitting out while, you know, you go to the PK three times in one period. There will never be a uh, sorry you know, to cut you off, but there will never be a moment now where Matthews goes to the bench and has that like, OK, well, I don't got to concern myself with anything for the next two minutes. You know, he's always in the game. Exactly. Not to say that he would have been like that anyways, but it's just, you know, if you're if you're more in it and waiting for your your chance to go on the ice, you know, you're you're just more engaged. Yeah, I mean, he's like he's defensively sound. I'm not concerned about that aspect of him being out there. Like he picks pucks off a guy's sticks all the time. And just, you know, I don't expect to see him laying out to, you know, block shots or anything like that. And I hope he doesn't. But like I'm very excited at the prospects of him at the blue line intercepting a pass. And I think the odd man rush chance on the penalty kill is going to go It's up. the power kill. Yeah, man, exactly. Uh, aggressive. Like when Marner started killing penalties, you noticed that it just became more aggressive. Um, there was a lot more kind of play at the blue line, trying to get the pucks down the ice and, and keeps the other guys on too, right? Like the, the, all exactly. Yeah. You're not going to be as, as careless with the puck, knowing that it's Matthews in front of you. That's trying to take it from you as you would, you know, with Kerfoot or whatever. But all these top, you know, two-way superstar centers kill penalties, man. It was a matter yes. of time. I, I'm, I'm super I'm for it. I'm so excited for it because I don't think that – there has been, you know, a little bit of talk more so lately about how Matthews improved his defensive game last year. But I still don't think that it's gotten the recognition that it, it probably deserves. He was just dominant all over the ice last year. He was a great defensive center yep. and one of the best goal scorers in the league. Uh, and yep. – to your point about him having to lay out and block shots and things like that, like Matthews is already a very effective shot blocking forward. Uh, not, not a lot of people really know that. I know there's a lot of other numbers to pay attention to with Matthews, but as far as takeaways and block shots go uh, among the elite offensive forwards in hockey, he's yeah. right up there. He led the league in takeaways at five versus five last year. At five on five, yeah, I saw that the other day, and and Thornton and Marner were pretty high in that uh, on that. Yeah, list too, so that, that was a kind of a concern that was raised about not having Hyman on that line as the the digger, so to speak, or whatever. But it, those guys will be just fine getting the puck back for themselves. And it, I'm just I'm really excited that Matthews is going to get out there on the penalty kill. I don't know how much it's going to be. It might be just for a strong side face off and dump it and get out here, here and there. But I, I think it's like it's the next step in that progression for him to being recognized as, well, as one of the best two-way centers. Team. It's it is absolutely his team. You're 100% right. Uh, he should be So he ha- you have to be engaged in all, in all the the aspects of the game, right? In all in all game situations and uh you know like it's all well and good that he's like we know that he's a good defensive player. He's good at taking the puck away, but let's just, you know, dispel with the notion that you have to be good defensively to play on the fucking penalty kill. It's yeah. the easiest shit 
in the game to do. So put a guy out there who can threaten because this team is loaded with, with offensive talent. There's no reason that you should be going through stretches of the game with guys who just can't threaten the other end of the ice, even if you're shorthanded, right? Yeah, and it's funny because a lot of people seem, it seems like they just don't recognize the fact that a lot of the things that make these players so dangerous offensively also make them effective defensive players. The ability to read where the play is That's going, right. knock pucks down out of the yeah. air, you know, just win those little one-on-one battles and and force things into the areas that you want them to go into. It, it, have your best players on the ice as much as you can. And if, I, I I'm excited about it because I think Matthews is good enough to win a Selkie, but I tweeted this out the other day. Penalty killing is almost like a prerequisite for it. So he was never even really going to get into that that echelon of the conversation without becoming a regular penalty killer. Um, I'm sure that that's the least of Toronto's concerns is getting Austin Matthews a Selkie trophy. But I I think that he's the kind (laughs) of player that is capable of, of being in that realm of the the Ryan O'Reilly's of the world, but, but with far more Onze offensive, Kopitar's. yeah, those kind of guys, but like yeah. with even more offensive talent, which is probably why another reason why he'll get overlooked is because he's going to be in the running for the heart and the Rocket Richard and shit like that. It, so typically they don't get looked at for the, the, for the yeah, Celtics. that's that's true as well. What was that quote from Shanahan last year? That Matthews is one of those rare players that could lead the league in goals and be the best defensive center at the same time or something like that. I, I wholeheartedly agree with Shani on that. I, I I think that's well within the realm of outcomes for, for Matthews. He's still just what, 23 years old. I mean, it, we're still just scraping the surface of what this guy is going to be able to do. That's another reason why talking about like the, the, you know, losing guys like Johnson and, and Kapanen in, in the, the kind of talk about losing the secondary scoring. And I don't necessarily even think that that's true. I think that they're going to get lots of scoring from the guys that they got. But the natural progression, like Marner and Matthews are not done getting better. No, no. Like they, they have a lot more to give. So, yeah, you might have lost two kind of 40-point guys or whatever they are. But, like... You're also getting another year of of Matthews potentially being one of the best players. Well, he already is one of the best players on the planet, but like, you know, cementing himself as the second best player in the league. Like, there's they they're going to get better. Yeah, I, I think that's a possibility. Is Matthews really establishing himself as firmly in that that? here with McDavid and McKinnon as you know the best players in the world yeah this is why I wanted to drag Babcock through the fucking street because you have to get your best player out there as much as possible yeah, but, use but your weapons do you guys remember that there was a quote from Matthews last year too and it kind of got a little bit of flack it was he was asked about penalty killing and he said something to the effect of never really done it don't have much interest in doing it or, or something yeah. like that and I remember at the time I was kind of like ah you know the shit but but, but what he it's true he probably has literally never killed a penalty in his life. <laughs> yeah and, but now that the talk is that he's excited about it so yeah but to camp's point it's not necessarily the most difficult skill in hockey to do 
So I'm sure he'll be all right. Yeah, for for a guy of with his talent level, I, th- I think he'll be able to manage. Yeah, he uh, no concerns there. Uh, that big reach, it's it's going to be great. Uh, Keith, you were kind of talking about it earlier too, while we were talking about you know um, that that Thornton Matthews Mariner top line and, and what they could possibly do even defensively. And, and you know we got talking a little bit about. Um, the, the third line and the shutdown aspect and kind of wanted to circle back on that before we wrap up on on camp talk here. Um, you know, what what are your thoughts, Keith, on on uh, that unit and, um, you know, the utility? Like, are, are they going to be hard matched against top lines? Like, how do you see them being deployed or, or do you think it's going to be more of kind of a, a fluid situation with with these lines? It sounded that way. Like uh, Keith was on overdrive sometime last week when he did his kind of media rounds and it was a really good interview. Like he actually gave a lot. It wasn't, you're used to like Mike Babcock interviews and it's just way different. He was forthcoming with like his thoughts behind things. He didn't hold anything back. He talked specifically about that line and that he, you know, he had a chance to, to get them together a little bit last year and really liked what he saw. And then with injuries, he wasn't able to, to kind of get them back together. But I think that it seems like the plan is that, that they're going to be hard matched against, you know, other teams, you know, top scoring threats or whatever it might be to, to get, you know, the Matthews and Tavares lines out against a little bit lesser, uh, guys down the depth chart on the other team but um no that i would recommend if anybody hasn't heard it check, checking out his hit on overdrive last week he talked about that he talked about um you know this is a little off topic but he talked about just the overall mood of the team um you know he mentioned that the first i think he said like you know if it's 20 or 30 minutes or whatever of the first practice of the year there was no pucks um so you know hayes on overdrive is bringing up the fact that his first practice last year was you know, all skill stuff. And they had the music blasting and kind of asked him, you know, what, why the change, like, you know, what, what the, with the, with the coaching style or whatever. And he just said point blank, you know, this is not the same team that, that they, that they were when I inherited them last year. So, you know, a bunch of guys with, with crushed spirits or whatever. So um, it was a good interview, but the back to the, to the line, I think, yeah, there definitely seems to be going to be his kind of shutdown line that he's going to roll out. Um, but then, to the theme that we had before that if this isn't working out, he knows he's got kind of has the ace up his sleeve with, with Hyman going back with Matthews. Yeah. I think like uh, to your point about this being like a different team, maybe we were all a little too quick to jump to conclusions about, you know, perceived philosophies of how Keith wanted to put his lineup together and the way that he wanted them to play, because it, the way that he's constructed the group through training camp so far, I think it's, it speaks to a different philosophy than maybe people thought he had last season with, with a different group, m- mind you. Um, and th- the big thing is how much focus has been put on that checking line. And it seems how the rest of the forward group is almost revolving around that uh, because we, we talked about it before, like those big four forwards, whatever combination you put together, whether it's Matthews with Mariner or Nylander and Tavares with the, the other one, like you're going to get your production out of those guys more often than not, regardless of who's on the, the other wing, but you can't necessarily get what you want out of that checking line by just throwing whoever out there. It, it almost needs to be that, you know, specialized group of those three guys. Yeah. Um, I, I'm interested to see how it goes. Uh, I, I like that 
Keith has been willing to adapt and, you know, kind of change his style and sort of be the no more Mr. Nice guy sort of thing at camp this year. Um, yeah, I'm really excited to see how he continues to put things together as the season progresses and has to maybe deal with injuries or, you know, slumping players lower in the lineup and things like that and and see how he's able to navigate that. Leafs are back, baby. Leafs are back, baby. <laughs> it feels good to be talking about something that just happened and like actually happened as opposed to like the first few podcasts of yeah, kind of like it's been a projecting things to, to, and, to, yeah, <laughs> content wise. Yeah. The, well, the Leafs have played five hockey games in the last 10 months and those five hockey yeah. games happened last August and I don't know if you've been paying attention, but a lot of other things have happened in the world since then. Um, it, it seems like a lifetime ago. And they scored like a half a goal in those fucking games. Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. me and Cameron, well, the, the whole group of us got together for the uh, the first game of the, the play-in round when the Atlantic bubble was still in place. Uh, we don't get together yeah. very often, and of course... You know, that, that first game, the Leafs didn't even score a goal. So the crew of us didn't get to even celebrate a goal together. And then at the end of the series, myself and Cameron got together to watch that uh, the fifth game. Again, we got shut out. So through two two of those play-in games that I got to watch with Cameron, didn't even get to celebrate a fucking goal. Like, But we got to hear Hall & Oates so many times tonight. It was fucking awesome <laughs> every goal hauling outs both teams and, and spe- i loved that speaking of that and that that game and and the tavares post that, that <laughs> happened that kind of I, I i sent this in the group chat and this is my segue now into our world junior conversation i had that same that same feeling in the canada game of that that chance that that rings off the bar and then just having that sinking like that was yeah. it i don't think anything's happening now. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, sometimes you just know yeah yeah, World Juniors was a nice warm-up uh, for the NHL season. Um, but, yeah, hard times for Canada. They, I mean, they, what can you say? Like, they, they dominated. They had a great tournament, and it didn't break for them in the final, and the U.S. played an excellent in game. One, in a one-game playoff. That's it. it. I mean, like, they, they couldn't you know. get to the middle. They just they didn't have it. And, uh, you know, it's – you know, we, we – kind of joked off the top about not drawing conclusions from uh, <laughs> uh, from you know an intra-squad game. Who draws but, conclusions um, from the World Juniors? Is that what you're going to say? <laughs> I don't think anybody does well, that. And, and that's always you know that's that's the the mantra now you know don't don't draw conclusions from this. I feel like it's especially important in a in a COVID year that got so fucked. Like why, <laughs> yeah. why are we talking about changing around the the rules of this tournament? Uh, put aside all of the all of the the discussion about you know it's a good thing for these teams to come in and get their asses kicked because it grows the game etc etc you know those are all valid but it was a covid year why (laughs) why would we even entertain discussions about changing the format because of the results of a covid year i don't know like how many how many players did germany even have in that game against canada they had nine forwards and five defensemen (laughs) and i think they were on like their fourth choice of goalie and you know what? <laughs> I felt bad for those German kids in that game. I, I think a lot of us did. Um, the worst of it is, like, it would have been a blowout regardless, but their goaltending was just god-awful. Like, was there two or three goals where the goaltender went to play the puck and fell down? <laughs> like, it was just a comedy of errors. I mean, like you said, not to uh, make any grand judgments on the, the format and 
altering it because of a couple of blowouts in a COVID year. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. to pivot off of that, I'd say that the Leafs have at least four or five future All Stars coming out <laughs> of this tournament. It will. <laughs> the uh, I didn't I didn't get to see a whole lot of of the Finnish team, uh, Nick. I know you were pretty much tuned in all tournament long, um, but it seems like the the in particular um, guys were making waves on the Finnish team. Uh, they were all playing first of all, unlike <laughs> on the Russian team. Yeah, and. Uh, and I mean, um, you know, these were guys who were not the top picks. Like Emirov, obviously the first rounder. Everyone was kind of expecting big things from him, but uh, the Finnish guys really kind of surprised. Yeah, well, the big story of the tournament for everyone was was obviously Topi Nimala, the third round pick from this year. Um, to your point about you know not making grand judgments or jumping to conclusions in a two-week tournament such a small sample size under really strange circumstances there are still things you can take from it especially like Nemo is a good example where I think maybe evaluators haven't seen him show off that kind of um, offensive ability and offensive awareness so much in the past Um, you know he's been playing in the in the Finnish men's league since he's been a regular since last year when he was just 17 years old he's still only 18 so he's still just getting his feet wet in professional hockey and doing more than holding his own uh for Karpat and Liga he's got some of the best shot share numbers on his team he 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 fared pretty well in in that uh, regard last year as well like I said as just a 17 year old so I I He's shown off those defensive instincts, even against, you know, older competition and stuff over there. But I I think, you know, he hasn't been able to show off that offensive ability, you know, maybe hasn't been given the opportunity or maybe, you know, just hasn't felt comfortable still trying to focus on just making the safe play and doing the right thing in the, in the eyes of his coach or whatever to, to, you know, gain the trust of his coaching staff over there. But even in some of his games from this season that I've seen over there, I have noticed um, a definite increase in his activity in the offensive zone and even his mobility on the blue line, which was on full display throughout the tournament. Uh, He he was just awesome. Uh, And I think that him showing off that offensive side of his game in a manner that he maybe hasn't been able to in the past you can take something from that and see that he does have that ability to his game and maybe maybe a trait that we weren't sure he did have. It was definitely nice to see him be such a force at both ends of the ice in this tournament. Um, yeah, he was just awesome. I think Leafs fans should be should be really excited about Nimala, and <laughs> that trade down just looks and awesome. It's super impressive for an 18 year old as well to have that uh, that kind of a show. Yeah, he won best defenseman in the tournament as an 18 year old. He's eligible to go back next year. Where you know there's a good chance that he, he could be part of the leadership group of that team, wearing a letter or something. Uh, he he's more than likely going to be their their most important defenseman at the tournament next year because you you could argue that he he might have been this year you know Billy Hanela was a was a big part of their team the Winnipeg Jets prospect um, but yeah it, he just had a fantastic tournament kind of put himself on the map a little bit it, I would just I would caution people to you know still temper your expectations D- don't start penciling him in for Norris trophies or a, a top four job on the Leafs in the next couple of years just yet but 
it was definitely encouraging to see him uh, play so well in that tournament. And Hervinen too, I thought he was another guy that maybe showed a little more tenacity and physicality to his game. I don't know. How much did, did you get to catch the, the Finnish team, Keith? I, I only caught one game that they played, and that was actually exactly what I was about to say was Hervinen. I didn't, again, don't know a whole lot about his game, but he uh, he seemed to be very active <laughs> down low, like just feisty. And I, I I didn't necessarily know that that was a part of his game. It was yeah, fun. Well, he's, he's definitely known more for his, you know, his, his passing ability and, you know, ability to weave through traffic and, you know, create offense. But, but he, he, he does have that bit of an edge to his game and what's great. He had a fuck you. Yeah. Too. It was and, nice. and that's one of the things that I was clamoring for, you know, from this Leafs team in the last couple of years was just that, like I wanted them to have more fuck you to their, to their team or to their lineup and just the general attitude of the team. Identity of the team. Yeah. yeah. They make that part of the identity of the team. Um, and I think he did. Herman had definitely showed a little bit of that for Finland in this tournament, but he, he came up clutch a couple of times. The thing is like that, that tenacity is great down low, but he also has, you know, the, the skill to make plays in tight with the puck and, you know, distribute from tight spaces and make those decisions quickly. But, but he was, he was huge scoring that late winner against Sweden in the quarterfinal. And then, you know, it looked like he was going to be the hero again, tying it up late against the U S in the, in the semis only to, you know, have that go by the wayside just a few seconds later. But, I thought he was another player that, you know, really acquitted himself well at this tournament and, you know, maybe put himself more squarely on the map for for some Leafs fans that don't get a chance to to see these guys play so often. And uh, Miko Kokkonen as well was named one of uh, Finland's top three players. Uh, of course, as we mentioned, Niemela was the top defenseman who wasn't named one of the top three <laughs> players. But as we said, he's an 18, uh, Kokonen a 19, kind of a tip of the cap for a veteran there. Yeah, those um, awards are selected by the coaching staff of the, of each individual team, just for anyone who, who wasn't aware of that. And uh, the Russian squad had uh, a pretty good showing at this tournament as well. Uh, there were points there where I thought they were going to win the whole thing. I mean, Canada obviously looked great the whole time, um, ended up, you know, falling to a great U.S. team as well, but they were clicking, the the Russians, at some points in this tournament. And uh, uh, Rodion Amirov, you know, he, he didn't maybe have the pop that maybe some people were expecting, um, but uh, he, he really impressed me. I, I, I thought that uh, his IQ stood out to me. Like, um, you know, he just looked really polished, looked like yeah. he knew where to go on the ice. Um, one of the things that I found uh, with his game was his tendency to circle back, right? Like to, to you know, he'd go in and attack or forecheck or, or whatever if he was carrying the puck. But, uh, you know, he, he's always quick to, to circle back to like a – be the F3 kind of thing and just survey the play and then he strikes and creates a turnover in the neutral zone. Um, you know, he, he's not a, a guy who's always in the thick of the play, but he seems like he's very intelligent off the puck. Um, what were your thoughts on, on Amirov, Nick? Uh, I thought Amirov had a really good tournament. Like you said, didn't really have the pop. He had, he had that big moment where he did, you know, the, the Matthews goal celebration after having one called back. <laughs> that was pretty cool. Um 
he didn't really have, you know, like those highlight reel plays. He wasn't the guy getting mentioned all the time like Pod Colson was or, or, or a guy like Wondell for the Finnish team or something like that. But he did end up leading the Russian team in scoring. Um, I thought he was one of their most impactful players at, in all phases, you know, even strength, power play. And I thought he was especially good on the penalty kill. You know, uh, like, like you said, yeah, just a really agreed. smart player who just understands where he's supposed to be and, and where the, the dangerous spots of the ice are in, in both ends. And I thought that he kind of, like we were talking about what Matthews kind of will be doing as a penalty killer, putting pressure on the opposing power play units. I think Amirov did a good job of that in this tournament. Um, really good in transition, uh, a guy that can, you know, turn the play back the other way after causing a turnover or, you know, making a pass to, to lead the breakout the other way. Just a really smart player, like you said, but it does have that skill to make plays and, and take the puck into scoring areas. That's if I had one gripe with his tournament, it was that I thought he maybe settled for too many low danger shots off the cycle uh, where he, I would have liked to see him maybe try to get to the middle of the ice a little more, whether it be himself or pushing it to a teammate in a more dangerous area. But uh, yeah, again, no complaints with the way Amirov played. Um, It'd be exciting to see how he's able to finish off his season back in the KHL. Hopefully there's a, a bit of a larger role waiting for him when, when he gets back there. Um, did, did you guys, what did you think of the play that uh, Abramov got suspended on? I don't want to condone dangerous hockey plays or anything like that, but um, he was pissed I off. And seeing, I, I, I don't mind seeing Leafs prospects getting pissed off and, 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 uh, and doing something like that. I think it's, it's dangle that, that talks about wanting more psychopaths on the team. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm all for that, man. Like I, I, I know that, obviously getting suspended and, and it hurts the team and stuff like that, but this doesn't necessarily have any bearing on the Leafs. So I'm cool with it. Yeah. Um, it's, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't want to see guys getting hurt or anything like that, but um, I very much enjoyed him getting pissed off and getting into an altercation. And, uh, and I hope he brings some of that to the blue and white. Yeah, no, it's definitely great to see like that capacity for anger. I'll take that in, in my players all the time. Uh, probably not the, the most advisable decision at the time. Like you said, don't want to condone dangerous hockey plays. And as much as uh, Arvid Kosmer might have done the old bait and flop a little bit, uh, it was still yeah. a dangerous play. Uh, he, he was definitely yeah. ready. He was awaiting Abramov to come and make some sort of contact with him, and he, he was he was ready for it. But it is still Abramov that you know put himself in the position to even you know be called for that play. Um, and it was kind of a shame because after being a healthy, inexplicably, in my opinion, being a healthy scratch um, in the first two games for Russia, I thought he was one of their better players when they did put him into the lineup. And uh, it kind of sucked to see him have to miss another game due to that decision. Um, I, th- I think, yeah, if anything, to me, that was that was more the disappointing thing was, you know, the the judgment call to, you know, like he, he, like you said, he got baited into it, um, which, you know, fine. Like it's, it's an emotional game and, 
and whatever. But you know, uh, I like, like that. you say, Give he, me some emotion. Yeah, no, it's great. But but it's just it's you know his own situation. Yeah. Um, you know, probably not the smartest thing, right? Where no, you're absolutely you know, you're right. kind of uh, not in the coach's in the good lineup. graces to begin with, and, yeah. then, and then you do something like that. But it's funny you say that because he came back to a larger role after the suspension. I was kind of worried about that too. Like, okay, he was already a healthy scratch. He yeah. just made this dumbass play to slew foot a guy and take a suspension. He's, he's might be lucky to get back in the lineup after this. But he came back and he was, you know, thrust into a, a greater role than before he was suspended. So maybe Larianov liked it too. Yeah. Yeah, like the little piss of vinegar. <laughs> yeah, the, the one other prospect for the Leafs that was taking part in the World Juniors was uh, the fourth-round goalie for Team Russia, uh, Artur Akhtyamov, clearly the backup to a uh, highly touted prospect, Yaroslav Askarov. Um, he got into one game against Austria. I didn't expect – he faced more shots in the first period uh, than I expect them to see in the whole game against Austria. So I was actually kind of excited that Austria probably played their best game of the tournament and kind of tested Octiamov a little bit. I thought he looked pretty good. Um, if you want to hear a little bit more about my thoughts on uh, how the Leafs prospects played at the World Juniors, I have a, a Leafs prospect roundup article uh, this week. I, the focus was on uh, their performances at the World Juniors. Uh, you can go check that out at the LeafsNation.com. Yeah, sounds good. And uh, I mean, uh, what we can say for them, I guess, is they they pulled it off. They, they managed to get through the World Juniors. When we recorded our last episode, we didn't know where it was going <laughs> to stand. What did so, you say uh, about uh, the other day about how baseball pulled it off, quote unquote? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, we, we were just saying, you know, that, that um, you know, what, what was it? We were, I think we were more talking about the NHL, right? Yeah. And Keith, you were saying that if the MLB Dallas. pulled it off, and <laughs> then we still feel feel good even after, yeah, the news that Dallas and now Pittsburgh too, right? Having some, some issues and Dallas with postponements and the whole thing. And, you know, I, I, I said that the MLB pulled it off in the same way that, Denzel landed the plane in flight like it's it's not exactly you know the the best case situation for um you know the the completion of, of that MLB season but they did get through it that's that's for sure so hopefully uh, it goes a little better for the <laughs> NHL, but not off to a roaring start. Um, we'll, we'll be a little more uh, frequent now that we've got Leafs stuff to talk about. And I uh, wanted to mention, too, because this is coming up less than two weeks away, the, uh, the NWHL uh, bubble uh, will begin. And uh, we, were t- we were talking about this on our last episode, and, and we were wondering about the plans for broadcast. Uh, NBC Sports Network picking that up in the States. I, I don't know what that means for us here in Canada exactly. But um, the Isabel Cup semifinals and the final um, February 4th and 5th will, will be airing on NBC Sports Network. Um, I'm sure there'll be ways to, to tune in up here, too. So I see um, something about it being on Twitch, too. So I don't know if they're streaming it. Right. Yes, uh, I did see yeah. that, too. All yeah. right. There we go. Um, OK, well, well, wait, but before you go to wrap up the show, Cam, I want your guys's hottest take or boldest prediction on the Leafs for this season. Yeah. Give it to me. That's, Give me the, the fiery takes. Yeah, I like that. We're, we're not really a, a hot take show, but it, we're, we're feeling good after that scrimmage. Hockey's back. The juices are flowing. Let's throw out some crazy. All right, I'm going with prorated to an 82-game season. Joe Thornton has a 55-point season. Ooh. Uh, that's, that's, that's a 
fairly hot take fairly hot take that's spicy i mean it's 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 not uh you know it's not i mean you wouldn't have to drink a gallon of milk to wash insane. it down or anything but it, it was no good. exactly it was it's not like that it's not like that hot chip <laughs> challenge thing but it's it's uh it's definitely going to be a stretch yeah for, it's, for it's de- definitely a stretch yeah. definitely not in the bag i think that's a pretty good one what about you cam oh boy okay here it is uh william nylander leads the toronto maple leafs in scoring <laughs> okay yeah now we're getting hotter we're getting hotter all right I like what that. do you got nick um i'm definitely gonna get yelled at for this one on twitter but my bold prediction is that jack campbell starts the first playoff game for the toronto maple leafs this season let's go and with Ooh. that we're out <laughs> <laughs> nick uh finishing off with a, a tune um another cape breton group here and uh we've got one from pretty archie these guys are, are down uh, opposite end of the island from from us but uh a group of uh, mostly Leafs fans, right? Kind of a folk country group, and you know a few of these guys. Yeah, great bunch of guys. Uh, a few Leafs fans in the group. Shout out to Brian and Maddie. Um, yeah, really great guys. Been fortunate enough to work with them a little bit in the past. Uh, great Cape Breton music. Uh, this is a song off of their 2019 album, a single called uh, This Whole Town. They are set to begin working on a new record in a couple of weeks. Uh, so that'll be probably coming out in the next year or so. Keep an eye out for that. And yeah, here's uh, Pretty Archie with This Whole Town. Go Leafs, go. Go. <laughs> couple of dollars You stole your daddy's rum And since then we've been together But we can't get out of our own way We'll stay here forever Like the people that we hate All crews in the seat at the bar down the street We were barely getting by And the shiny blue green of the karaoke screen Put the stars back in your eyes been an actress You know all my favorite lines Now you're a part-time waitress Can't make it into work on time And I'm no model citizen All my hands are dirty too But I can't help but picturing All oh, there's more out there for me and you All crews in the seat in the bar down the street We were barely getting by in the shining blue green of the karaoke screen Put the stars back in your eyes We do this dirty small town Run around forgetting that's on our mind This whole town's going down Love time to leave it behind We can get out tomorrow that's what you want to do We can beg, steal, and borrow Cause 
long as I'm running with you Spend our nights doing wrong together Drunk and getting high But you know my love The grass isn't always greener On the other side Instead of complaining We should be changing it So no one else has to go This whole town's going down Love, we're not in it alone This whole town's going down Love Oh, it's good to be home